Hi everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Lubig Intelligence Tech Disruptors podcast. We're delighted to have Coupa Software CEO Rob Bernstein as our guest today. Today I'm joined with my colleague Neeraj Patel. Together we will be talking to Rob about the tech landscape. So without any delay, let's give the floor to Rob for a history and background of Coupa and himself. Well, thank you for having me. I've spent my entire career in the world of enterprise software. I first got excited about enterprise software when I began a few programming classes uh, back at University of Albany during my college time in the early 90s and made the decision after interning at Anderson Consulting in 1994 that I would spend my career in the world of, of enterprise software. I just felt that you could build an entire career in this industry. There's just so much to be done. The way processes are being managed at companies are still so rudimentary, the paper-based old mainframe systems, a lot of inefficiency. And so I decided to create a sort of apprenticeship for myself in the world of enterprise software, starting out first by doing implementations of, of SAP software, then doing product management at Siebel Systems, then running products and marketing and a number of other uh, areas within a startup called SuccessFactors that we wound up taking public before it was sold. And then I decided to take the, the plunge to, to build something myself. Joined a couple of folks that were in the early stages of putting a company, company together in the spend management area, procurement area. And in tough times of early 2009, reminiscent of maybe what we're going through now, I joined them to, to build a company called Coupa that we've been building now for about 13 years. Well, that's excellent. Now, let's talk a little bit about Coupa itself. Of you know, what was the vision when you know, the, the, the company was started and uh, how far have you come in terms of achieving that from a product functionality point of view? And how do you then, you know, try to sell that to, to companies? Before I went to business school and I went to Harvard in 2001, 2002, I had a short associate position at McKinsey in, in 1999. And it was a time when technology companies were really taking off in the valley. And there were a few firms named Reba, Commerce One, Vertical Net, companies like Chemdex and others that were doing some really interesting things in connecting buyers and suppliers together and ultimately helping companies try to spend money in more efficient ways, in smart ways. And I did a project on that, that space and watched those companies go public and go do, do very, very well. I thought the category in and around how companies spend money and how they interact with one another through information technology was really, really interesting. And it, and it planted some seeds in my mind of something that I came back to a, a few decades later. But in 2000 and 2001, while I was in business school, many of those companies fell the fate of, of pets.com and others. And they were sort of poo-pooed by investors for, for maybe getting a little bit too aggressive on sales or, or their multiples maybe got a little bit out of, you know, or significantly, let's say, out of control. So in the back of my mind, I thought it might be an area to revisit. And so after the time at Siebel and the time at Success Factors, I looked for another category besides, you know, ERP, CRM, and HCM that could be perhaps of a similar size and, and perhaps could solve some really meaningful, meaty problems. And that's what brought me to, to the idea of, of, of building company in this, in this spend management area and having met a couple of folks that already had the basics down, you know, incorporated in Delaware, an early product, a little bit of money. I thought that this would be a good ramp from which to build. And the, the premise, when you say the vision, the premise is very simple. You know, 
Companies are highly inefficient in the way that they operate generally. I think we would all agree with that. There's a lot of opportunity to make companies more efficient through information technology. But I find they're particularly inefficient and particularly not as optimized as they could be in terms of how they spend money. Who are the suppliers that they're working with? How much are they paying for the goods and services they have? How successful are their employees in getting those goods and services? The right place, the right time to do their work and fulfill demands that the companies might have upon them. And so we set out to, to do that. And, you know, I, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but today, you know, ahead of myself in the interview, but today we have, you know, we're nearing 3000 customers. We, we're nearing $4 trillion in spend through our platform. And, and we're helping thousands of companies not only become more efficient, but pursue their own missions and visions with that much more firepower, that much more gas in the tank to go do it. And that's what continues to make this, make this uh, so, so rewarding for myself and, and, and my colleagues here. You know, this brings back kind of an interesting question in my view is, you know, when you look at that time frame, when right around that time, 2000, 2001 to, you know, Salesforce was formed, I think Workday was 2005, you guys are around that somewhere in that time frame. But over that time, if you see in comparison, those companies' revenue base is much larger than yours. Is there a reason why companies are reluctant to make this area a lot more efficient? Because, you know, the value proposition of what you bring into the table or what Workday brings into the table is so far more than the legacy way of doing stuff. So why do you think is there, is, is there a big discrepancy here? Well, the first part of the discrepancy is I don't think your comparison is correct. No, Salesforce was started in 1999. We effectively began to attempt to go to market in 2009. That was, that was 10 years later. Workday began, as you said, five years before us and, and, and spent a significant amount of investment and building on a platform that was sound before they meaningfully went to market. They went to market with a co-founder that started PeopleSoft that had deep connections in the HR community. So those are not fair comparisons in any way whatsoever. Having said that, what is fair to say is that the growth, the, the, the challenges that we're solving in these markets have some, some parallelism. Now, if you look at Salesforce, the start was with SFA, Salesforce Automation. And over time, all the other pieces and connections to the customer master were either built or bought and, uh, and an incredible, incredible company was built over the course of, you know, numerous decades, obviously. When you look at, you look at Workday, similarly going after a master record that pertains to the employee, understanding their, their benefits, their payroll, how to, how to pay them, obviously, how to manage them in terms of talent, how to manage all the components of their performance and competencies and all of that. So everything wrapped around the employee master. Again, what is similar then to what we're doing at Coop is we're doing everything around the supplier. So how much are we spending with the supplier? Is the supplier risky or likely to go out of business? Is the supplier sending us invoices that are correct against the orders that we made? Are we paying them on time? Are there opportunities to optimize the payment flow, et cetera, et cetera? So what you have is, is a lot of similarity in that we're all three companies are pursuing the, let's say the custom the, the master data records that are critical to the enterprise, the customer, the employee, and the supplier. Now, what is very different to your question is that our category is incredibly fragmented, incredibly fragmented, and in part fragmented because of all the companies that got funded in 1996, 97, 98, 99, and during the dot-com wound up, you know, selling little pieces of business spend management to chief procurement officers and chief risk officers and others. And so you have these, this graveyard of broken technology that's highly fragmented inside all of these different companies. 
and or they're suffering with just the components that come with their ERP system. So our challenge was how do we get in here and peel this thing back? How do we take the use cases that are most, most likely to need usability, high volume, a transaction engine support, need to be supported in every possible currency, to be highly configurable, that can live within the ERP ecosystem. And then over time, take on more and more use cases to pull this whole thing together into the business spend management category it's fast becoming today. Very, very different challenge. Frankly, very, very difficult challenge, but one that we're proud to be, uh, to be, you know, overcoming here on a quarterly, uh, quarterly and monthly, weekly, daily basis. No, no, Rob, very, very valid point on both Salesforce and Workday. Now, when we look at the, you know, your end markets or your customers, are there any one particular type or industry of companies that benefit more from your product or, you know, you, you pretty much operate across most of the verticals? As we built out the company, we had our own approach of a sort of bowling ball theory to get through the, 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 you know, to cross the chasm and to get to where we are today. But today I'm proud to tell you and excited to tell you that the total addressable market, you know, is, is massive and it's every company, virtually every company and virtually every industry and virtually of any size. The only companies we don't support are those with, you know, maybe a hundred or so employees, but anything beyond that can, can really, really benefit from understanding everything that we help these companies understand. Where are they spending their money? Who are they spending it with? How could they spend it better? How could they manage the right on-hand inventory? How, they, how could they improve the way they deal with their contingent labor? How do they mini minimize supplier risk? How do they model their supply chain against the demands of, of a highly changing global marketplace? I mean, all of these areas are just ripe for a, a platform that is intuitive, easy to use, provides the data needed in real time at the right place for decision-making. So uh, incredibly large total adjustable market across every industry and virtually every company size around the world. So Rob, if you, you know, if you look at different functional areas, I would say, you know, ERP or areas around the ERP have been far behind in terms of cloud penetration. But over the last, I would say 12 months or so, we have seen you know, an acceleration in new bookings for finance related, you know, areas. Does that help you in any way or, you know, your business is agnostic of how somebody is updating their ERP system or not? We're definitely agnostic of the ERP system. In fact, the entire logic of this business was that we need to be able to coexist with a core general ledger system in the back end. And, and, and that came through my own experience. I mean, I implemented SAP at large global companies around the world, and I knew that the likelihood of that ever getting pulled out uh, was very, very low. But the opportunity to, to be a strategic extension to those applications, be it SAP or Oracle or others, or many of the ERPs that they bought, that opportunity certainly exists. And the cloud and, and, and the ability to integrate to those applications offers a, a, great, uh, a great opening for, for players like, like ourselves. So now, you mentioned the last 12 months, so let's talk about that. When the economy begins to turn, there's typically a flight to safety. We built this company during a time when it was incredibly difficult to convince anybody to do anything, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13. We overcame those challenges. We, we established a strong reference base around the world. We went public to build legitimacy. We now have a community, as I said, of nearly 3,000 companies around the world were in the top right of most, you know, industry analyst quadrants, which we're incredibly proud of. So we're incredibly safe, incredibly safe 
We have cash flow positive. We're incredibly safe at this very moment for a company of any size, be it a global top 10 or, or, uh, you know, a, a mid-sized company. So in the flight to safety, yes, you typically see, you know, early upstarts being challenged the way we were in 2009. You see people sort of not making a decision, which is sticking with whatever components of, of some of the things we do within ERP exists within ERP or going to a place that's safe, but at the same time, modern and scalable and part of the future. And we think we're right there. We're right in that sweet spot. So that bodes really well for us. Not that it makes it easy, <laughs> but it, I think it bodes very well for us in the coming, you know, quarters and years to really break out as a, not only a category winner, but, but, as, but as a galvanizer of all of these distinct applications now working together in a way that they never worked together before. So if you, if you are, you know, running in an RFE right now, who would be your top two or three competitors that, that would be vying for that same business? I wouldn't be running an RFP. I'd just be calling us directly and I'd be subscribing to our service for a fair price and a lot of value. All right. With that, let me pass it on to my colleague Neeraj, who's going to pick up some of the other questions that we have. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Just on your earlier point, you had mentioned fragmentation. And as an analyst view, we look at the financial app landscape. And can you give us a little bit of perspective on how Coupa is connecting the dots across this landscape? You have a lot of different subcategories to consider. Yeah, yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And I, and I invite any of your listeners to go to our website, Coupa.com, to really explore some of this in great detail on our, on our solutions pages to really understand how the synergy between these different solution areas working together is where all the value or a great deal of the value really is. But let's just begin with a simple, a simple approach. You know, your demand as a, let's say a retailer is significantly changing, right? And you need to set up your investments in, let's say, raw materials as well as in direct materials that you're going to be making as you expand your retail operation around the world. You might want to begin by doing some some modeling, some scenario analysis, some supply chain design and planning, we call. Well, we offer that capability. Now, the moment you've completed that set of designs and plans, you might need to source these goods and services that you, that you need. Well, that'll feed directly into Cooper's strategic sourcing, where we'll, able, where, we'll, where we'll allow you to do effectively reverse auctions with top suppliers for the goods and services you need. We may even invoke other community members across our thousands of customers around the world to join you. So you could jointly get better pricing. We call it the community sourcing. The outcome of that sourcing event may be a contract. So we'll give you the functionality to engage dynamically, collaboratively with the winning supplier around how to lock in on a contract that is going to be worthwhile for your company for the coming, you know, say quarters or years. That contract will automatically flip into a live contract that your organization will be purchasing against. And you'll be sure that when people buy around the company or in your facilities or anywhere, they'll be getting the contracted pricing that you, that you sought. Now, just that integration of itself is huge in our industry because the vast majority of contracts that are signed with suppliers are actually being purchased against, which is a statement of fact. Once you order the goods and services you need, we'll help you manage uh, the receiving of those goods and services. Make sure you got them, that there's no breakage, that what you actually ordered is what you should have gotten. And then we'll make sure that when the invoice comes in and matches the order and the receipt, whether it's partial inventory or full inventory, we'll put that, that, the, the, that information into an inventory system and we'll help you track when is the right time to perhaps consider reorders and what's, what is our community saying in terms of the right times to, to perhaps reorder. 
And if any of the suppliers that you're working with become risky because they are potentially going out of business, so they're sending, uh, you know, over invoicing, some of our other suppliers will let you know, or there's third-party data that feeds into our system to let you know that they're being sued or there's other potential issues with them, or they're not working sustainably, or they're, they're using child labor, or, or they're, they're not a, a minority-owned supplier where you might, which you might want to be working with in certain categories of, of your expenditures. And then we'll track that all the way around to all the analytics that you need to help you continue to optimize the way not only you spend your money, but the way your people internally are working in terms of ordering, understanding expenditures, staying within budget or not, planning for coming quarters, planning for changes. This does not exist anywhere except within the Coupa platform. This today exists in a whole host of different bifurcated applications that aren't integrated in any way at the business logic layer, at the UI layer, nor the data layer. And this is before I share with you some of the amazing things we're doing around our community AI initiative. But hopefully that gives you a little bit of a taste of, of the value of these things working together. Yes, and, and just on the wide coverage of scope that you just described, how do you come with your strategic M&A hat on? And you had recently acquired Balin and Llamasoft. Can you give us a little bit of description on the technology criteria for these opportunities? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things that's very important to myself, our, our head of development, head of products, is that the core of our platform be 100% organic. And the core of the platform is really where the action happens. This is where the orders happen, you know, millions of orders on an ongoing basis, uh, millions of invoices and payments going out and expense reports going out. All of that is 100% organic. It's, it's one of our greatest core competencies as a team, building applications that are highly, highly usable, extensible, global, multilingual, multi-currency, and at scale. So all of that has, has remained organic and, and our plans are to keep it organic. But what we've done is we've, over the time, as part of our strategy, bought what we call power user applications, applications that are used by just some people in the organization that require some level of advanced, perhaps training or, or experience to work. What these applications do is they unlock the power of the core transactional engine. So, you know, as I mentioned, nearly $4 trillion are going through that organic core engine, but couldn't we make that spend go to the, you know, better places, let's say at, high, at better price points with less risk and all of that. So we bought companies along the way. We bought our advanced sourcing capability that's now fully integrated into our offering a number of years ago. We bought a treasury capability that helps you manage cash for your expenditures. You mentioned that company a moment ago. We bought a supply chain design and planning capability to help us get on the front end of the process and have integrated that in. So again, the strategy was always and continues to be one organic transactional core that doesn't go through the traditional product lifecycle challenge of needing to be, you know, re recoded. It's a very, very clean code line running globally, but the acquisition of power user applications that can lock more value out of that core, out of that nearly $4 trillion in, in spend. Yeah, and I'll, along those points, a question that pops up is your movement into B2B payment solution space, significant market size there. We've seen the numbers in the order of tens of trillions of dollars of payment flow. Can you describe the decision-making to consider this type of solution for your customer base? You know, our customers ask us, one of the primary solution areas we support is the process called procure to pay or requisition to pay, which is basically the moment somebody requests something, requests to spend company money, all the way through the point where they, where the company pays for that, for that good of service that, that was requested. 
So we had done an incredible job with, as I mentioned, requisitioning and procurement and receiving and invoicing and contracts and other capabilities. And they said, well, you know, we're really stuck in this whole pay area. You know, we're running batch payment runs monthly. Now think about large companies or in the United States, more than 50% of the payments we issue are paper check. They said, you've done such an incredible job for us in the usability simplicity, configurability of these other sort of upstream use cases, maybe you'll consider going into pay. In fact, we'd be willing to subscribe to that service. So we began organically in the pay area a number of years ago, and now have penetrated uh, a significant portion of our mid-market accounts, uh, new accounts each quarter. I mentioned the detail on our last earnings call. And, uh, and we're continuing to build out that platform and with our three releases a year so that we could support over time, some of the largest companies in the world who are stuck with very rudimentary, very difficult to use, very non-agile payments processes. Besides this area, we also turn on some very simple, lightweight payments capabilities that, that we continue to sell, such as virtual credit cards and, and, and dynamic discounting or effectively collaborating around earlier payment discounts, which our customers enjoy as well. And along the Coupa pay a platform. Do you see any distinction between international payments and domestic U.S. payments in the type of method that's pursued by the customer base? Well, our goal is to be 100% agnostic to the rail that's being used, the actual money movement. That's why we built out a, a very wide ecosystem of financial services partners, as well as some technology partners to actually do the money move. Our value add is around the information technology that goes into determining what to pay, who to pay, how to pay, sorting through all that, making sure you should be paying, and then and then ultimately using being being very agnostic to our customers in terms of how they want to they want to manage things. And our treasury applications, by the way, also often help them you know make some of those those distinctions, those calls. Okay, interesting. And just to an earlier point, you had mentioned some of the acquisitions targeted specific power users within the enterprise. How would you see the user base within the enterprise change over a period, let's say five to 10 years for a Coupa's solution? Well, the user base continues to go wider. You know, when people understand that organizations want to empower their people, particularly around indirect spend, they want to empower their people to, to, to get the goods and services they need to do their job effectively. That's about empowerment. So when they realize their application's intuitive, it's easy to use. I mean, it's, it's. You know, Amazon's a customer of ours. I mean, that's usually used as the example. They they add seats, so they add users. So it goes very, very wide from the uh, up and down and wide from the CEO to the the folks ordering, you know, you know, janitorial supplies and everywhere, everywhere in between, everywhere in between. As well with the power user applications, we've gotten into certain departments within an enterprise and pulled them into the larger challenge that the company's facing. So I, I mentioned treasury. You know, treasury is uh, something that's often been deemed as, you know, uh, just two to three folks in a company who are kind of working in a very siloed environment. We're pulling those folks into a very dynamic environment where they can help the company make decisions around how to manage cash on an almost instantaneous basis while seeing the flow of money that's going to suppliers. So that, that's an example. I mentioned supply chain design, you know, very often done by a specific analyst and sometimes doesn't convert directly to action, to operational action. We're pulling those people into the operational action, to the sourcing, into the ordering, into the fulfillment. 
So it's, it's really what I was mentioning earlier, that these are a lot of distinct application areas. It's just not talking to each other, not sharing data effectively and holding back the company from being as operationally efficient as, as a company could be. Okay. That's appreciated, Rob. And just one last question from my hand before I pass it back to Anurag. Your view of the employment base from your lens as a CEO, how you look at the skills gap that you see in Silicon Valley and churn that occurs among competitors, do you see any dynamics of that changing over the near term here? I do. I, I think when we came out of COVID, you know, folks were, we were in an environment where number one, it was a little bit of a game of musical chairs. In other words, folks were trying to find rightfully, having spent two years of many cases in their homes, you know, what's a company they can work for that has the purpose and the values that they can really ascribe to give them a chance to step back. And so this game of musical chairs began where folks really wanted to evaluate their options and, and, and good for them. I think what's, what's transpired is a, many have already sorted that out and that's, that's a wonderful thing. So that, so they, they've taken a seat and secondarily, the, the economy obviously is in a, is in a period of instability. And so folks will likely to get back to a place where particularly in Silicon Valley, they realize that, you know, paycheck matters uh, as well. And you have to find a balance between, between all those things, hopefully all of it. And so I, I think we're, we're in a stabilizing time and the next few years will be, uh, will be a, a time when that stability should, should hopefully be reached. That would be my answer. Okay. Thanks so much, Rob. Let me pass it back to Anurag. Oh, thank you, Neeraj. So Rob, when we look at your uh, space, and again, as you said, the time is so large and, uh, you know, the, the uh, reception is pretty good. Do you need to go to any of the adjacent markets to, you know, improve the overall, I would say the end markets for you or your standing with the customers, or you're happy with the current TAM that you have? No, the, the TAM is, is, is very, very large, obviously, and we're happy with that. But TAM is something that you develop your way into, right? There's, there's a number of ways to do TAM. It's something you develop your way into. You have to have customers that get measurable value for what you're offering. And they have to be willing to stand up in the industry to talk to, you know, other, others about the, the value that they're getting. So you could, you could expand and you could over, over many years that we've been doing it obviously for, for, for 13 years. I think the amazing power that we're excited to lock within this, this huge TAM is the power of community. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Salesforce and Workday and and other you know, companies in our industry. One of the things we're doing, and we feel very proud of, we, we really want to be the, let's say the tail that wags the dog in our industry as it pertains to this concept, but we're unlocking community power across our, our, our customer base. In other words, traditional enterprise software, whether it's on-premise or cloud, is software that's effectively running in a silo for each individual company. You know, whether it's in a basement and being accessed that way, or it's up in the, you know, in the cloud somewhere, the tables and the data structure, the database is all, you know, proprietary to a given company. Uh, when we think about the largest enterprise software companies out there today, what we're doing and we've agreed with our customers to do is to take anonymized, sanitized data, pull it, centralize it, distill insights from it through our community.ai initiative and push those insights directly back into each individual customer's instance. So when they're doing something like deciding who to spend with, how much to pay, when to reorder, how to avoid supplier risk, how to optimize their company's processes, they're not only you know, going to conferences and talking amongst their, their, their colleagues, 
they could see it right there in the system prescribed to them based on the intelligence of the entire community and nearly four, $4 trillion worth of spend that's gone through Coupa. So they could make optimized decisions. And this idea is very, very large, very, very large for our industry. And we're really proud to bring it forth. And I think it has a lot to do with not only the pace at which we continue to you know, build into our TAM, but the ultimate the size and scope of business spend management as we look at the coming years. So, you know, when you sit with your management team, what are some of the indicators you look at that would, you know, basically you hold them responsible for? That would probably be much longer than this podcast can handle, but obviously everything from the very front end of the business in terms of developing pipeline, moving pipeline, sales, sales costs, size of deals, time to close, win-loss rates, all the way through to product, feature set, impact, to services, margins. I mean, every possible element of operational metrics that you could possibly imagine we look at. I highlight some key ones, obviously, that, that, that are more important than others, but everything we do is informed by data. That's, it's, 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 it's key to, to who we are and, how, and w- w- what we've been able to do. And I, and I think, you know, proudly, that's why we've, you know, delivered on every, on every quarter that we said we'd deliver on for 53 quarters now, 13 as a public company and 40 as a private company. You don't do that. You don't do that without looking at data and metrics and having your arms around the, the wheel of the business. So what's your vision for Coupa, you know, one year from now, or, or I would say five years from now? The vision has become the industry standard in one of the big four categories of core enterprise business applications, CRM being one, HCM being two, ERP being three, and BSM business spend management being four. And while doing that, unlocking the power of community intelligence, community insights, uh, in a way that, that has never been done before in the, in the world of enterprise so far. So, I mean, you've been sounding fairly positive throughout the discussion. What keeps you up at night? What, what are the things that, uh, that worry you then? Well, look, I, I always, my, my canned answer to this is I, I, nothing keeps me up at night because if I get up, I, I, you know, I, if something's keeping me up, I'll get up and try to deal with it. But, but, but the underlying theme to, to your question is, is, is a very important one. It's the same answer that, I, that I've given since the company was, you know, 19 people to whatever we were, 3,400 or so today. It's all about the people. It's all about the people. And then in a come full, coming full circle to the apprenticeship I created for myself that I told you about when we began the interview, now I've had the pleasure of working in every functional area of enterprise software, from, from programming, implementation, marketing, sales. I understand the financial component of it, implementations, obviously, all of that. And I've had a chance to work at large companies and small companies. And I've had a chance to work in each of those four spaces that I mentioned to you. And I'm here to tell you that none of it's rocket science. It's all about the people. It's all about the people. It's all about the culture. It's all about the willingness to interact collaboratively, authentically. It's about people who want to come in to work every day and, and use the company as a platform for their, their personal and professional growth while contributing. And so continuing to evolve a culture of like-minded people that ascribe to, to a common set of values, I think anything can be done. And, uh, and that's why I'm, I'm very bullish on what we have here. But of course, I shepherd it very, very carefully from every angle possible to make sure that we continue to, to evolve and create a very special culture that is Coupa. Oh, that's fair. That's very, very well answered. And, you know, I'm, this, is, this has been a great discussion for all of us. I would love to hear if you have any final thoughts before we close. You know, the, the thing I would say, and, and this is maybe, you know, your listeners, I, I would assume, are in the technology industry, maybe executives, whether it's CEOs or, or folks in, in various functions and areas. 
I would ask them to think about this concept of community intelligence, of community data in the world of enterprise software and how powerful that could be for us in every functional area uh, from, from CRM, HCM, ERP. The fact that companies are making decisions in complete silos and using software and data to track information seems very prehistoric to me. And I think that as we, as leaders in our industry, look back, you know, 10 years from now at, at what we've accomplished, I think one of the great things we could accomplish is help companies around the world actually work together to solve their own problems, not, not share proprietary data, but work together uh, to optimize the way they pursue their own missions and visions. And I think we have a chance to do that in Silicon Valley and, and we're, we're doing everything we can at Cupid to bring that to the forefront. Great. Thanks, Rob, for your uh, discussion. And we look forward to having you back again. Thank you.